0: Peter, Scott, how are you?
1: Oh, I'm well. All right, can you hear me? Peter,
0: yeah. we can hear you perfectly fine. How are you, sir?
1: I'm okay. Do you hear any background noise, or is it good? Sounds great. No. All right,
0: sounds good. Where are you at the moment?
1: I'm in my hyperbaric chamber. Hyperbaric. Uh, chamber. Oh wow! Well, I was actually of
0: you. I was yeah, I I do it every day, Peter. I was actually gonna today's the first day in like months I skip a day because I woke up really really late. Um, but I, I have it right in front of me. I was gonna do the space from there, but I'm like, I need good audio for this show, so I decided I'm I'm gonna do sauna in a few minutes. But I do it every day, every day.
1: Yeah, I just started, so much respect. I haven't been doing it that long. I bought the chamber, so I'm in there now. But I do I do uh, cryo every day. I, I do red light sauna. I've got a, I've got. I'm whole, about. I've got this whole um room in my house now that is like a uh, wellness center that has all
0: this equipment in it. I you do the guys, same thing so, so just finish, together, Mark. Yeah, Peter, Peter, to, I just finished Yeah, Peter Peter I just I just I just finished the cryo about 20 minutes ago. I do it every day and you'll hear a bit of background noise on my end in about 10 minutes because I'll be in the sauna and then I'll do the re- oh, in the red light and then sauna afterwards. That's so funny. What, I do the spaces from there. What
1: kind
0: of cryo are you doing? Uh, it's a full body cryo. The machine I can check it. It's a clinic right next to my house. Uh, I'll send you the details privately yeah. No, I've got, I,
1: I work – Yeah, I've got a full body. It's in my home. I don't go to a clinic. It's a full body, uh, all-electric cryo. So I just go in there for four minutes every morning.
0: What temperature do you do?
1: It's, it's minus 124 Fahrenheit.
0: Nice. Yeah, I do I do minus one forty, which is the max you could do for three minutes. I can't do more, but I yell, I scream Yeah, in I do it I minute, work minus one hundred and forty degrees. The extra, the, minus extra minute, the
1: extra minute really gets me, because they say to do three, but I just do four just to make sure I get the skin temperature drop that I need. But um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's the chamber temperature. Some of these other uh, machines that advertise colder temperatures, it's really it, the chamber doesn't really get that cold. Uh, just right at the source, but uh, yeah, mine is mine is like a giant refrigerator, so I don't need any of that nitrogen. So it's a lot, it's a lot simpler.
0: Okay, I'm gonna check. I'd love to see which one you use. I am. I'm obsessed with these things. I'm starting a show with uh, David Sinclair and Christian Engermeyer and uh, Greenfield ben greenfield on this stuff yeah. i have a team that does it this is all i care yeah. about in life yeah. my, so, uh, my, hyperbaric,
1: my hyperbaric is good because i can work in here it's a big you know i got tv i got my computer, cell phone and then my my red light i do this it's a neo i do red light i also have like green light i have other different lights but i do the the, the infrared you know the red light and that's about eight and a half minutes eight minutes on the red light and then i sometimes I, I do other other colors too
0: I do. I do thirty minutes on the red light. I do an hour in the sauna um, and an hour in a chamber, the hyperbaric yeah. chamber. But we'll chat. We'll chat privately about it, Peter. Wait, is that
2: two hours? Hold on. Is that two hours every single day yeah. that you're spending on on I'm, I do, do four
1: hours. I do four hours. I'm in, I do do four hours, I'm four in my chamber hours. two hours a day. I come in here two hours, but I do my work, so it's not it's not downtime.
2: Yeah, I do on. my work there if as you, well. Yeah. If you're spending if you're spending two hours a day. And you don't live at least twenty five percent longer, then you would have probably been better off not doing this. Because well, again, if you spend two of your waking hours, I'm
0: not waiting. We work, but not run. We work in there. We work in there. Like it's like sitting in work, office. Yeah. And it if doesn't if I matter if
2: you work in there. But if you confined to a sauna or a chamber for so, for fifteen percent of your waking day, <laughs> then you better get at least double return. Yeah. No, if, no, that's, no, but that's the only again, way. It makes sense.
1: If I don't have any work to do. I watch a movie. I watch I, I watch a Netflix series. I'm I'm not bored. I'm I'm not bored while I'm
0: in here. <laughs> it's like sitting in an office. Oh, LB, no, I'm, sure, I'm sure not bored. I'm sure you're
2: not bored. But my whole calculation around biohacking. I mean, look, I do the basics of biohacking. I, mean, I take Nads and I take the resveratrols and and I have you know have a, a drip every now and then. And I do do the infrared uh, uh, saunas and stuff like that. But my calculation is, I said as follows. I cannot be spending too much time trying to reverse <laughs> aging if there's if there's no empirical evidence that you can actually do it because well, if I'm going to spend 15% of my waking day doing something that I ordinarily wouldn't be doing yeah. and I don't have a guarantee that I'm going to live at least 25% longer yeah, well, then nothing, the risk you know, to me just nothing isn't is worth
1: guaranteed it. you know I do the I do the uh, intermittent fasting I take supplements I've done Same. the drips I've done stem cells like all kinds of crap <laughs> I mean
3: I'm sixty years old. Yeah, so uh, you, do. you, know, when, you get, I do, uh, when you get to be the- wait, Peter, you, Peter, Peter, do you've done. And jet- I do tequila and jet. lag, do <laughs> How does that?
2: Yeah, wait, 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 Peter. You mean you've done all of this and you still haven't changed your mind about and, and even you mean even the, the sauna hasn't been able to change your mind about Bitcoin. Well,
1: what, what, what why? Well, I'm not going to lose clarity by doing all this. I mean, I, you know, but I would have thought.
0: I, I, I would have I, thought. I, look, I. That I that uh, I'm about so we're gonna kick off the show, Peter. just funny enough, I'm literally so you're in the chamber right now. I'm getting into the, you're gonna hear a bit of background noise in a few seconds because I'm getting into my red light, uh, red light chamber, red light therapy. So we're gonna be biohacking nice. together as we as we uh, do the show today. So that, that's the first. Let me
2: let me know at the end of the at the end of the show if you yeah, guys. I also know, have yeah, some. I'm going. I'm, <laughs> I'm going I'm with great. Scott to a naked pool party.
3: That's why we're going to Arthur Hayes' pool party
0: after this. And I go haven't ahead. slept in
1: four days. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah, I said I'm also. I got a cup of tea in here too that I'm drinking in the chamber. So it's,
0: I-, I have a I have a coffee, <laughs> a black coffee, Americano. So there you go. Uh, but let's let's kick it off, uh, Rand Scott. Um, you know, Peter, it's a pleasure to have you again on the show. Thanks for joining us as we both get younger. Um, but uh, maybe Rand Scott, tell us about the inflation numbers today. Came in higher than expected. Headline inflation. Core was as expected, uh, dropped. Uh, but maybe a quick overview there, and then Peter would love to get your thoughts um, on where we are uh, in this fight against inflation.
3: That's all you ran. I was uh, I was busy flying.
2: I mean, look. Long story short, I don't think the inflation numbers came in higher than we expected, because the Cleveland Fed actually forecast the inflation numbers at three point eight five percent or three point eight nine percent. We got three point seven. The consensus forecast was three point six. Um, to be honest, I think it's very much as we expected. The next number to come out is the PPI. We want to watch the PPI because the PPI is the producer price inflation or the producer price index. And that's going to tell us whether the producers are still feeling increases in the price of things. If that c- comes in surprisingly high, then we may say, look, we've got an inflation problem on our hands. If not, then I guess we couldn't expect inflation to go down in a straight line, we had 14 uh, negative readings in a row. And I think that naturally, when you reduce inflation, it's not just going to be a straight line down because, you know, the measure didn't have a, a straight line down. So I think for me, I think, you know, as expected, um, I think forecast solid inflation number is going to be 3% by the end of the year. And then slowly, 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 the hardest part of getting inflation down to the FED's 2% target is going to be the last part. Um, so I didn't, I didn't see many, uh, like many surprises. The biggest contributor to inflation was the price of energy, and specifically the price of gas and oil and, and related. Um, that was the biggest contributor to the price, of, of, uh, to, to the, to the price increases. I think that's, that's pretty much the way I read it. I'd love to hear Peter's take on it. Um, Peter, over to you, my friend. Well, first of all, you know, these numbers
1: are pretty much irrelevant in reality because they understate what's really happening with prices, which rise as a consequence of inflation. Uh, so you're just kind of looking for evidence of inflation when you look at prices. Uh, that's not the inflation itself. The inflation is all the money that we've been printing, the Fed's been printing uh, uh, for you know over a decade. Uh, that money has lost purchasing power and prices go up. And also the easy credit. A lot of people use credit to buy things. And so the increase in supply of credit and the supply of money is the inflation. And we experience the consequences of that in consumer prices, which are actually rising quite a bit more than the official uh, numbers will will, will acknowledge. But I think what's significant about the numbers that came out today is that the uh, CPI year-over-year actually bottomed out in June at 3% year over year. And the last two months, uh, we've seen the curve bend back up. In fact, this 0.6% gain for August was the biggest gain um, in quite some time. I forget when you you have to go. It was last year, not even this year. Sometime last year, uh, there was a a, a gain this big. So I think that we've already seen the lows on inflation. And now, now we're going back up. And and we never got anywhere close to two percent. I mean, yeah, we got three percent um, briefly year over year, but you know we didn't get to two. And now we're heading back up. The core, uh, I think, is also bottoming out. We got four point three, which is a little bit lower than the prior month. But I think we're pretty much hitting the bottom at the core. I think the headline is turning back up first, and the core is going to follow. But what that proves is that the rate hikes that we've seen thus far have been completely inadequate to do this job and that we're likely to go back up to that 9% level. That was the high watermark. Uh, That's where we're headed. We're not headed back down to two. You know, you look at oil prices, they're almost up 40% in the past four months. That's 10% a month. I mean, the main reason you got the big drop in CPI was you had a 50% decline in oil prices. Well, I think oil is going much higher. I think we're going to make new all-time record highs, uh, maybe above $150 a barrel by the end of next year. Uh, I think we'll certainly finish uh, this year above $100 a barrel. But it's not just oil prices. A lot of prices are going up. And ironically, the Fed rate hikes are also going to be a driving factor in future CPI increases. Because just like raw material costs, just like labor costs, uh, businesses have debt. That debt needs to be serviced. The interest costs are going up. Uh, that's going to have to be passed on. Same thing with insurance. Insurance companies have had has huge losses. They have to make up. They have you know, rising interest rates has really hurt these insurance companies' portfolios. Plus, you've got a lot of other losses from events. Uh, but. Uh, those those insurance rates are going to go up. So a lot of this is going to be pushing up consumer prices. Uh, meanwhile, the deficits, you know, the budget deficits are over two trillion dollars a year and rising because every month more low yielding debt matures and it has to be rolled over. So you've got debt that's costing 25 basis points. It matures. And now the government has to roll it over at five hundred and twenty five, five hundred and fifty basis points. So all this is adding tremendous amounts to the national debt. I mean, even if we don't go into a recession, we'll probably be looking at closer to three trillion a year in deficits by the end of next year. But if we're in recession, it could be five trillion, six trillion. Where's all that money going to come from? The Fed's obviously going to print it, and, and so you know, inflation is just getting started. We, we we got a small taste of it in the last couple of years, but we're about to get. You know, a giant uh, uh, swallow. Uh, and well, we're, we're going to see much higher numbers, and the market still hasn't comprehended that the bond market hasn't priced that in yet. Uh, stocks. I mean, nobody realizes that inflation is not going down to two percent, uh, and it's going to go much higher. Every, everybody just assumes that it's going back down, and that uh, you know the Fed's going to start cutting rates next year, but it can go, you know because inflation is going to be gone.
2: So Peter, I have, a, I have a question for you. I mean, I think that we, we all realize that the Fed's um, uh, probably not going to start cutting rates as quickly as we, we anticipated, or not we anticipated, quickly as the market anticipated that the Fed was going to cut rates. But someone mentioned something quite smart to me. They said, look, if you take the U.S.'s uh, growth rate, GDP, w- w- what is the U.S. GDP growth rate going to be this year, more or less? Well, what, I don't know
1: what they're, what are they looking for. You know, three, four percent. You know,
2: I think it's I think it's actually I think it's actually a bit higher. I think it's actually around five percent. Well, up. that's when one. When you I, look at that, that's
1: maybe one quarter, not for the whole year. I don't think I don't think the whole year is going to come out. But you know, th- most of that is due to inflation because remember, they have to adjust the GDP for inflation, and they do that with their deflator. But I think the deflator, by design doesn't even come close to capturing inflation so i think that real gdp is actually a lot lower than what the government claims uh because they're
2: but right now but right now gdp right now the gdp growth is 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 higher than inflation or equal to inflation which means that for as long as they're getting real real growth they don't see any sign of danger
1: no yes but again what if the inflation is being underestimated. What if inflation is really twice as high as they claim? Then that that changes all the numbers because the GDP number is uh, adjusted by whatever they claim inflation is. So let's say nominal GDP is six, and they claim inflation is three, then they say okay GDP is three. But what if inflation is actually seven, not three? Well then GDP is minus one. We're in recession. But you don't get to see that because the government has reported 7% inflation as if it was only 3%. So all the numbers get skewed based on the way the government measures inflation.
0: Uh, Peter, I want to link it to the kind of direct question, if you don't mind. But what got us in in this position, Uh, like this never-ending fight against inflation? Is, Is there a person by name that we can blame for this mess?
1: Well, there are a lot of people. I mean, but probably the, re- the reason we got into this mess is democracy. You know, that's, that's, that's the, the source of it, because politicians wanted to get elected. And the way they got elected was by promising people something for nothing. And they paid for it through inflation. Politicians wanted to deliver all sorts of goodies to the electorate. Healthcare care benefits social security medicare obamacare you know pensions whatever whatever it was but they didn't want to raise anybody's taxes to pay for it because then you know the voters you know would be mad so they ran these huge deficits and the federal reserve created the money to pay for all the spending and and, and that's where the inflation came from and also in credit they, they kept interest rates artificially low So that people can keep borrowing money and spend that too. So you know, if if people couldn't borrow money so cheaply, if there wasn't all this consumer credit available, if people couldn't refinance their mortgages and extract money, uh, there would have been a lot less consumption, and people would have spent a lot less, and 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 so the economy would have been a lot smaller uh, than it was. But inflation has been the source of the phony economic growth it's also helped to prop up the stock market and 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 so investors you know are richer on paper because of all this inflation that has been created and you know th- that's also what's kept the banks from 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 collapsing that's how we bailed us out of the financial crisis we created inflation so cr- inflation was used to kick the can down the road so that we wouldn't have to deal with the consequences of all these bad policies Because of elections. Nobody wanted to have a crisis and maybe not get reelected. So it was all about uh, extend and pretend, kick the can down the road, make the problems bigger so that we eventually have a worse crash. But we're not going to care about that because we may not be in office. That'll be
3: somebody else's problem. You know, and that, Peter. Uh, how does that ever but change? That,
1: oh, no, it's guys. Yeah. It's,
2: that, uh,
3: Peter, how does that ever change? Because I mean, austerity is never getting anyone elected to your, to your point, right? <laughs> Nobody's ever going to run on a platform of uh, everybody gets less.
1: Yeah. Well, eventually we're going to have a crisis and then it's not going to be a question of, uh, you know, uh, being able to push the, you know, kick the can down the road. We're, we're, we're going to have to face the music, right? We're going to have a, A currency crisis we're gonna have a sovereign debt crisis and and then that's gonna be it see right now we're able to forestall all that by going deeper into debt and creating more inflation but you know we're near the end of the line and so at some point things are gonna be horrible and it's not gonna be a question of the politicians telling people they have to take less they're gonna have less (laughs) they're gonna have a lot less they're gonna be really bad and then the question is gonna be okay You know, this is a huge disaster. Where do we go from here? How do we get out of this hole? You know, and and then it's okay. well, we got to cut this. We got to do that. You know, but things are already going to be bad. And and, and no politician is going to propose the proper solution until they've exhausted all the other opportunities, until things are so bad that they're probably not going to get reelected anyway. So they might as well do the right thing.
0: Uh, so just You said that we're reaching the end of the line, Peter. Can you tell us on how that end of the line looks like and what can the average investor do to hedge?
1: Well, again, the way we've been able to postpone the pain is by creating inflation. But the pain of inflation, you know, we've been spared that because of the dollars reserve status. We've been able to export all the inflation to our creditors and we've been able to just go deeper into debt to keep our whole thing going this whole phony economy or artificially high living standard but once we can't do that anymore once these huge deficits and all this money printing results in a dollar collapse because the world doesn't want our dollars anymore they don't want to keep on producing stuff and then exchanging the stuff that they produce for the depreciating dollars that we print uh then we we immediately feel the consequences of all the inflation which is beginning now and you know the, the dollar tanks and prices just skyrocket, and then interest rates skyrocket because nobody wants to buy our bonds anymore. You know the ten-year Treasury and thirty-year Treasury. Right now, they're still yielding about 4.4, four point four, four point three percent. In the real world, they would be yielding you know ten percent or more, uh, but the Fed can't allow that, so the Fed has to print even more money, and then you know inflation just runs out of control. And then at some point, Peter, we have do you to think- do something to stop hyperinflation. But hyperinflation would wipe out the dollar completely. It'd be worth nothing. But if we're going to stop the dollar from being zeroing out, then at some point we have to let interest rates go way up and we have to let all the debt go into default. You know, we have to we have to let a bunch of people lose money to prevent the money from losing its value.
2: Peter, when do you think like this collapse of sort happens? Because the reason why I ask that is because I, like I've been I've been here for a long time and I keep hearing about these collapses that are going to happen—the dollar collapse and you know the, the credit <laughs> event and you know all these things. The problem is they just never seem to happen. So it, it always seems to be like there's there's another. The Fed just keeps kicking the can down the road and kicking the can down the road. I'm wondering like how long do you think this can can be, can be kicked down the road? Yeah, again, and the, reason, no, no. the reason why I ask the reason why I ask is because you know what I've learned is that a lot of people always call for a collapse or a crash, but markets just eventually always continue to go up, and there's always headwinds. And I want to just know if if we're in that cycle or if if we really think that this time it's going to happen.
1: Well, look, it's going to happen. It can't not happen. But yes, we have succeeded. In kicking a can down the road, that's why the national debt is thirty-three trillion dollars. You know, we could have had a crisis when the national debt was ten trillion, or fifteen, or twenty, or thirty, but we didn't. So instead, the problems got bigger. Uh, does that mean the national debt can't hit thirty-five trillion? Can't hit forty trillion? No. Obviously, if we can get to thirty, it can get to forty, but it can't keep going up indefinitely without a crisis. It's not like. You know, in 20 years, the national debt's going to be 100 trillion or 200 trillion, and, and you know, debt's going to be 400%, 500% of GDP, and we're still going to be like, well, you know, it can't go on forever. You know, the numbers are already getting so big. Interest on the national debt is now the third biggest monthly expense of the government. It's bigger than uh, the defense. By the end of next year, I think interest on the national debt will be bigger than Social Security or Medicare. It'll be the number one thing that the government is spending money on. And then, you know, it it just keeps exponentially rising. So So, do you think we can't get to the point where 100 percent of tax revenue is needed just to pay interest on the national debt? I mean, that's where we're headed. Uh, But but do you think
2: the think the, the Fed is watching this and going, hold on a second, maybe we shouldn't increase interest rates because of the national debt? Or do you think the Fed is going, we've got a one mandate, The mandate, well, two mandates. One is unemployment, another one is inflation. And the truth is that the national debt is actually somebody else's problem. The job you've given us is to I manage think, inflation and, and, and employment.
1: No, I think eventually the Fed is going to drop those mandates. The only mandate it's going to have is going to be to monetize the debt and to prevent the government from uh, defaulting. Uh, because, you know, they got to keep interest rates down. I mean, that's what they're going to be doing like the Bank of Japan already went to yield curve control because they see how much debt the government has. Well, we have an even bigger problem with an even uh, larger amount of unpayable debt. But look look at Powell. He refuses to criticize the deficits. He doesn't have any harsh words to say. The Fed is running $2 trillion deficits. We have the most stimulative fiscal policy in history. While the Fed is trying to put out an inflation fire, with tight money, but it can't be done when you have expansionary fiscal policy. The Fed is providing this massive stimulus. I mean the Congress. And 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 Powell refuses to criticize the government for running these deficits. He's like, well, we don't care about these deficits. Well, the deficits are the source of inflation. You know, so he can't he can't do anything about it. The rate hikes aren't going to do anything to stop inflation. He's gotta he's gotta cut back on money supply. And he's got to cut back these deficits.
2: We said that the government has to cut spending. Spending. So let's bring the conversation back into something a little bit more uh, actionable and maybe a little bit more um, close on the time horizon. How do you see the next 12 months playing out? You know, like if I would say to you, Peter, in 12 months, do you see interest rates higher than they are today or lower than they are today? Do you see the markets higher than they are today or lower than they are today? Do you, see, um, do you see gold higher than it is today, lower than it is today? And maybe, you know, how do you see Bitcoin, higher or lower than it is today? All right. And let's only so, look 12 months because, I, you know, it's, it's easy for us to kick the can down the road and say there's going to be a massive credit event. It has to come at some point. But most investors are looking like one year out. So yeah. let's talk about well, one year. How does Peter Schiff see the world one year out?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think inflation is going to keep getting worse between now and a year from now. So I think the year Give me a number.
2: Give me a number. Give me a number in December and give me a number one year from now. I
1: don't I don't know what the numbers are. I think the numbers are going to be higher than they are now. So I think that the Fed is going to be further away from its two percent inflation goal a year from now than it is today. I think that the bond market is going to continue to, to fall. So I think yields on the longer term bonds 10 year out to 30 year will be higher than they are now, probably considerably higher. I would say that there will at least be a five handle, if not a six handle, on uh, the long end of the yield curve. As far as where the Fed will be with the short end, that is harder to say. I mean, they may, in fact, cut by then. They may have actually started cutting, uh, but I I don't think the cuts would be significant, um, but they may try to do it. I think the Fed will probably be back to quantitative easing by a year from now. I think the balance sheet, which is still shrinking I think a year from now it'll be back expanding. So I think the Fed, regardless of what happens to interest rates, I think the Fed will be back at QE because uh, of of the enormity of the uh, the deficits and potentially because we'll be in a an official recession a year from now. Uh, so, it like market, mar- so it sounds like a bull market.
2: sounds like a bull market to me. From that, it's I mean, not saying that. the Fed's going to no, be no, back it, Q, in it's, QE. It, it's yeah, the not stock market is
1: when the, Fed, harder, when the yeah, it's sorry, harder sorry, to sorry, say. But... I think the Nasdaq should be lower a year from now. It's harder to say about the Dow. Uh, I think the dollar will be lower. I mean, it's been going up, but I think within a year, people will realize that high inflation is bad for the dollar, not good for the dollar. I would think gold would be a lot higher because I think the same thing will apply to the gold market. I think gold is is being held back by the belief that the Fed is going to fight hard to make sure inflation is 2% when investors realize that there's no way they can fight hard enough to do that and that the fed is going to, is surrendering and that inflation is going to be much higher. I think uh, gold has to be uh, higher as far as Bitcoin. Bitcoin? Look, Bitcoin, it's a, it's a pure guess, but again, you know, I would guess lower, but I mean, I could be wrong, but I just think that, you know, by, by a year from now, there maybe there will be one or two Bitcoin ETFs, maybe more. uh, And so I think, The world will no longer be waiting for a Bitcoin ETF, so that that will that news will be in the rear view mirror. Um, you mean that for
2: good good or for bad? Like, coming for Bitcoin, do do you mean the ETF will be behind us for good or for bad? I mean, when I say that, do you mean that the ETF will be approved and therefore people will realize what a disappointment it is and actually no one wants to invest in Bitcoin, or do you think? The ETF will be approved, and then we're going to get all this buying from all these institutions because the the, the asset class has been, you know, um, now, I, don't,
1: I don't think there's going to be a
2: lot of buying into these ETFs.
1: I think there's a lot of buying in front of the ETFs because people are anticipating that the ETFs will lead to more buying. I just don't think they will. Uh, so and, wait, how you know, much? how much money when is- It When Grayscale I- becomes an ETF, if it does – there's going to be massive liquidations at a grayscale. And right now, there's a lot of Bitcoin that are trapped in grayscale uh, and that are not you know, out there for sale. But I think once uh, grayscale, if it becomes an ETF and it trades at NAV, uh, a lot of people are going to try redeeming or they're going to want their money back. And that's going to force grayscale to start dumping Bitcoin in the market. And, you know, when, when, when Bitcoin went way up initially, it was in large part due to grayscale buying grayscale kept buying bitcoin as it was issuing uh shares well now when it starts redeeming those shares it has to start selling bitcoin
2: Uh, i think I, i think i think i agree with you there peter i think i agree with you there um on the grayscale thing and i think the best case for bitcoin is that actually the sec approves all the etfs at once including grayscale and then hopefully you know we get some kind of institutional demand which is equal to or bigger than the the selling pressure that we're going to get the inevitable selling pressure that we're going to get from gbdc when i look at the gld etf today i think there's 55 billion i don't know the exact price but call it uh, over 50 billion invested in, in, in gld uh, if i were to say to you one year from now the bitcoin etf is approved what do you reckon will be the the market cap or the the amount of money in a bitcoin etf if uh, if the if I mean, I know it's a, it's not the same comparing like for like, but let's say GLD's got fifty billion uh, invested. What do you think the, the Bitcoin ETF will have invested? You know, I don't
1: know. I just think again, but there's no real reason to have a Bitcoin ETF for gold. You know, the whole the thing about gold is you actually have to store it, and some people don't want to take possession of their gold; they'd rather own it in an ETF. But Bitcoin, anybody can just go out and buy Bitcoin. There's no storage. But
2: fee. not really, Peter, not really, because private keys are very complicated. Wallet management <laughs> is very, very scary. Even for me, even for me, uh, uh, private key management is, is quite a stressful thing. So to be honest, if you were to say to me, look, would you rather hold actual Bitcoin or hold ETF? You know, unless well, I was a real though. liberalist. Here's the thing, tool. though.
1: Remember, the main selling point of Bitcoin over gold was that, well, you don't need a third party to store it. You know, you, no, you own your own of, Bitcoin. You don't have to the pay same custodian point. fees. If you're going to say that of. Bitcoin is... Wait, let me finish this point. If you're going to say that Bitcoin is so complex and so difficult to understand and difficult to hold that you need to hire a third party to store your Bitcoin and you have to pay them a fee, then why the hell do you have it? Why not pay somebody to hold your gold then? Because at least they're holding something real. Bitcoin is nothing. And, and, and what you're saying proves it.
0: Uh, on that point, uh, Peter, on the, uh, and Scott, I know you want to try to jump in as well. Um, on the point of Bitcoin is nothing, how, how has your stance changed uh, about Bitcoin over the last few years, especially with all the adoption regulatory clarity that we're seeing? And I know you said some positive things about ordinals, if I remember correctly.
1: Well, I mean, I did, I did an ordinal. Some people bought them. Uh, but I thought the value was the artwork, not the ordinal. The ordinal was a way of like kind of keeping track of it. But um, other than that, I mean, my views have been changed on Bitcoin. I mean, nothing has happened to, to to question anything that I said originally. I mean, everything just backs it up. And, you know, Bitcoin is becoming even more difficult to use as a medium of exchange than it was uh when it first was adopted, because the transaction costs are higher, but the regulatory costs and all that, the compliance and all that stuff is building up and building up. I mean, no, more people, I would say that more companies were advertising that they would accept Bitcoin, you know and at, 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 you know, you know, at their businesses than now. I mean, nobody talks about it. It's not even an issue. I mean, it's it's it it's all about speculation bitcoin Peter, is all ask about you? buying it it's all about buying it because you think the price is going to go up there is nothing different and in fact that's all that's going on with these etfs it's just another way to gamble on bitcoin it's another way to buy it because you think the price is going to go up there is nothing that's happening to have isn't gold the same money. Isn't, isn't
2: gold the same forgive me for my ignorance but isn't the only no. reason why somebody would buy gold now because you're expecting it to the price to go up, or at least the price no. to hold. So a jeweler
1: doesn't buy gold because they think the price is off. They need to make jewelry. A, a a computer company doesn't buy gold because they think the price is off. They need to make a a a chip. You know, gold gold is an actual commodity that is used by a lot of people and a lot of industries that need gold. Now, also, as far as why would an individual who's not a jeweler uh, or not a, a a a dentist or you know a a computer chip maker. Why would somebody like that own gold? Well, they would own it as a store of value because they can hold gold. It holds its value. It doesn't lose value over time. And then in the future, they can sell it to a jeweler. They can sell it to you know a dentist or uh, or a computer company. It's a store of value. It's not about betting the price is going to go up. It's just betting that people are going to keep using it. The way they've been using it for five thousand years, like it's not going to lose that value. But when you go into Bitcoin, nobody needs Bitcoin now. Nobody's going to need it in the future. You're buying it because not it's not because it's a store. You can't value.
2: tell me somebody you're needs. You can't tell me somebody, somebody needs gold up. because huh? they need you. You can't tell me somebody needs gold because they need jewelry. You know, if you're telling me that the only real use case for gold is is because of jewelry, you can't tell me somebody. No, needs but wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. Jewelry is 50 percent, 50 percent of all the gold that's mined every year goes into jewelry. Now, I mean, why is that? What people obviously they want to wear gold jewelry. That is a use for gold,
2: you know. So he, I mean, and people have been wearing gold jewelry. But people, people want to send money. But people want to send money over the Internet without a centralized intermediary. That is a use case
3: for Bitcoin. That they use stable coins but for Bitcoin, that. But Listen, Bitcoin, I'm, I'm a Bitcoiner, but, but we have Bitcoin to be genuine. Money.
1: Yeah. Bitcoin's not money. So you can send Bitcoin without a third party, but it's not money. You're not sending money.
2: Yeah, but there You're are substitutes. I mean, I, I mean, I could say that platinum is a better substitute for jewelry. You asked my wife today. She doesn't want gold jewelry. She, she's she's much happier wearing platinum rings and platinum earrings. And you know, so, I mean, there are substitutes well, that for looks, everything. Each what? one has its, right. its, uh, its own properties, no? I'm not saying
1: that platinum doesn't have any value. And I'm not saying that gold is the only metal that you could use in jewelry. But the fact is, a lot of gold is used in jewelry. You can't deny that. That is a real use for gold. Now, it's not the only use. It's the best conductor of electricity we have. And it has a lot of other uses. You know, I mentioned, I, I talked about that that, that that's, uh, space. Uh, they, they launched this uh, telescope into space. And uh, they, they has these huge mirrors. And they had to coat them all in gold. It was very expensive. But they needed to use gold because no other uh, element, was going to do the job. The only the only metal that could do what they needed was gold, and so they had to use it. But I mean, gold is an actual thing. I mean, it's like so ridiculous that in order to justify uh, having value in Bitcoin, you have to try to diminish the value of gold and say gold has no value. Gold is worthless. That's that that's even more ridiculous than the claims that Bitcoin has value. It doesn't. Bitcoin is nothing. But yes, if people want to buy it because they think somebody else is going to buy it. It can have a price. Bitcoin has a price. It has no value, but it has a price. And you know, that price it, right uh, now is about $26,000 of Bitcoin. That's – an idiot will give you $26,000 for your Bitcoin, right? Today. Is it – is, the it, is there anything – idiots is going to run out, and, and there's not going to be any idiots left to buy your Bitcoin in the future.
0: Anything that you could see that changes your mind, is there any level of adoption, any, any- – Utilities that be like, all right, now Bitcoin is starting to make more sense as a store of value or no, X, Y, can, Z use case.
1: A, how can it be a store of value? In order to store value, you have to start out with value. You can't store what you don't have.
0: But <laughs> the, the value, but I mean, but, but I mean, the value. If, if enough people treat it as a store of value, it becomes a store of value. Is that no, is it, that it, an unfair statement? No.
1: If a, it, it's a, it's a, it becomes a bubble. If a, you're saying. If a bunch of people think it's a store of value, then automatically it becomes a store of value. Well, what happens if the people who think it's a store of value stop thinking it's a store of value? What if they start doubting that it's a store of value?
0: So what what are your thoughts on, on institutions? Let's talk about Grayscale ETF. What? Uh, sorry, the, the BlackRock ETF. What was your first response when you saw that news, that level of adoption? Because if Bitcoin has no value, it's all speculative why would institutions like blackrock get involved does that change because, your mind in any way
1: because they want to make money off of it if there's a bunch of fools that want to buy something wall street has a long history of supplying it there's an old saying on wall street feed the ducks while they're quacking so you got a bunch of ducks quacking for bitcoin wall street wants to get in on the action and sell them whatever it is they want to eat you know uh, they they're not they're not making a judgment on whether or not they think it's a good investment. They just know that there's people who want it and they can make money selling it to them. So that's what it's all about. It's just about trying to get it up. But this is not adoption. This is just another way to gamble on Bitcoin and bet that there will be adoption in the future. Adoption would be I want to walk into a supermarket and say, "How would you like to check out? We want to check out with Bitcoin?" You know, I mean, I I mean that that would be adoption where People are using the Bitcoin, and not through BitPay. The the supermarket doesn't take my Bitcoin and convert them to dollars. The supermarket takes my Bitcoin and holds them, and then pays its rent in Bitcoin, and then pays its employees their wages in Bitcoin. We start seeing Bitcoin actually circulating as a medium of exchange. In fact, I go down to the supermarket, and all the prices are in Satoshis. Oh, okay, yes, it's actually working. But right now, I go to a supermarket, everything is priced in dollars. Nothing is priced in Bitcoin. If you have Bitcoin and you want to buy groceries, you have to sell your Bitcoin and get dollars and then use those dollars to buy groceries. The only thing you can do with your Bitcoin is sell it to another speculator. That's
0: it. Going back to the, to the, to the BlackRock ETF, would BlackRock risk their reputation? And we know the size of BlackRock. Uh, would they risk their reputation for making a small amount of money with something like Bitcoin, if you think there's a possibility it could go to zero,
1: no, no. Just because you have an ETF about something, right? It doesn't mean that the the that the ETF has to go up or down. You're just trying to service a a market. So they think there may be a demand for this ETF, and that they, they don't. That doesn't mean the ETF is going to be a good investment, and it doesn't mean they're they're saying it's going to be a good investment. I mean, you, 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 they're just saying that, hey, people want to buy Bitcoin and we're going to create an ETF that lets them do it. That's all they're doing. And they're saying we're going to we're going to make a we're going to make money off of that. They're, they're not saying that if you buy this ETF as an investor, you're going to make money. I doubt they're going to put their own money. I doubt that the people at BlackRock are going to invest their own money in this ETF. No, that that's for customers that they're not going to put their own money
0: in there. The, Scott Rand, do you remember what uh, the CEO of the Fink said about uh, Bitcoin? Because he was bullish on Bitcoin as well. It's not just launching an ETF, but I can't remember the exact quotes. We've talked about it in previous spaces. But Larry Fink Yeah, I don't was- know the
2: exact quote. He said he's very bullish about it, specifically as an inflation hedge, and because of its limited supply. And he said Bitcoin is really becoming a, a serious thing. And he also mentioned that he's very, very bullish on the tokenization of, of assets. He thinks that... Yeah, that's, he said... Uh,
0: think, so he said... Yeah, right, it's right. I've got some quotes here. He said uh, crypto and Bitcoin will revolutionize finance, which is a pretty big reversal from his previous position uh, when he called Bitcoin nothing more than an index of money laundering. That was uh, obviously a few years ago. So yeah, question there, is, like, there, have been,
1: there have been a lot of people that have been, you know, have converted when it was financially, uh, you know, incentivized to do that. Like, look at Kevin O'Leary, right? He was a big Bitcoin... Uh, critic until a bankman freed paid him a bunch of money. And now all of a sudden he started touting uh, Bitcoin and crypto once once he was incentivized to do it. So obviously you've got Wall Street trying to make money. They're trying to launch these products. They want to hype it up uh, to generate interest. Maybe they even bought some Bitcoin that they can sell into these ETFs. So, yeah, I mean, it's just classic pump and dump type stuff. I mean, people are just trying to make money for themselves. And so, they're, so hey, they're just hyping this thing up yeah. uh, because they, they, they think they can make money. That's all. I mean, that's why Kevin O'Leary, I mean, he knew it was bullshit. He said it. But, you know, he 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 got paid all this money to go out and be an FTX spokesman. And so all of a I sudden, don't think, to be, you know, be fair, same I don't thing think Kevin O'Leary, charged, really you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, know. Mark, Cuban, Mark Cuban had the same thing. He was a big critic until he all of a sudden got in on some crypto investments. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, this is great. These guys are just
3: talking uh, their own financial interest. Peter, to be fair, I think a lot of them were not specifically talking about Bitcoin, but it does raise an interesting point, And I'm curious to your uh, position. When we go, I-, I think we can stop litigating Bitcoin. I think we know where we all stand on that. When you go further into blockchain technology, into crypto, is there anything that you see value of? Because I-, I find it very interesting and I, and I want to know your take. Arguably outside of Bitcoin, the killer app for crypto has been dollarized fiat, right? Obviously stable coins. And and we talk about cross-border transactions and the value of these things. But we know that even Visa and the large payment companies, PayPal, are investing in stable coins because it is a bit faster and cheaper. Do you see value knowing that there's people all over the world? You obviously are passionate about uh, the problems with inflation and hyperinflation. Uh, Do you see value then in people utilizing the technology to transact in dollars, digital dollars?
1: I don't see a lot. I don't see that much value with respect to dollars because there's already so many ways to digitally transact in dollars. You know, PayPal, Venmo, you know, ACH transfers, uh, you know, Apple Pay, you know, and all over the
3: world. You know, yeah, but not for people in Lebanon and Venezuela to, you know.
1: Right. But what I think would be a lot better for those people, if you're going to get a stable coin, if you're going to deal in a token uh, that's backed by something, you, you might as well just back it by real money. So a, a, a token backed by gold is much better than one backed by dollars or euros or yen, because now you have real money that's going to hold its value over time and and, and, and have that. And that's international. So why should why should people be dealing in dollars? What about. Somebody who's in Europe and you know they want euros, or or someone in Japan wants yen. Universally, everybody can everybody can deal in gold? And so if people that, have a, a a a a digital currency backed by something, it should be backed by real money. Just like all the initial paper currencies used to be backed by gold. The first Federal Reserve notes were backed by gold, right? That's how they started, and and so we can now have uh, notes backed by. by by gold digitally. In fact, before the Federal Reserve, private banks issued notes and they were all backed by gold. Every all bank currency was backed by gold. And so all digital currencies should be backed by gold, too. And then 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 they would work. Then they would be a unit of account, a medium of exchange, a store of value. It it works perfectly. Now, of course, the governments don't want that, right, because nobody is going to use their crappy currency when they can use gold. You know, the reason people aren't using gold now as money is it's not as efficient to deal with it. Uh, but through, uh, you know, what you're talking about, through tokenization and blockchain and the Internet, it's just, it's even easier to use gold as money than than than, than their fiat currencies.
3: Right. It's an easier. That's my point. It's also even easier to use the actual money. But I, I agree with you that I would much rather see a stable coin that's backed by gold. We've seen even conjecture, and I know that's not necessarily going to happen. I don't expect it. That bricks, for example, would have a gold-backed currency of some sort to compete with the dollar. I, I don't live in that uh, fantasy world, to be to be quite honest. But oh, we man, have seen attempts.
2: Reason,
1: the main reason that this is not going on is regulation. The governments are cracking down on it. Um, And preventing it from happening. Look look what happened in gold money. I mean, gold money in in, in Toronto, I've been involved with them. I mean, they they had the idea to do this. But the government cracked down, the Canadian government even cracked down on them so hard uh, on their compliance and their KYC and their AML that they had to completely give up their plans to allow people to use uh, gold as money because the regulators just saw this as a threat. And they're like, oh, no, we can't allow the private sector To compete with our monopoly on money and so we need to crush them with the cost of regulation and that's what happened you know and they had to give it up because they couldn't afford the the regulation on on these you know on these transactions they made it so onerous uh, that that it it wasn't profitable to do it but in a free market it would have already happened if the government wasn't punishing uh, the market this would already we'd all we'd all be using gold right now already,
3: right? But to, to your point though, gold we understand is very difficult to use in and of itself as a medium of exchange. So a tokenized dollar backed by gold, you're agreeing? Well, it wouldn't would be a tokenized
1: dollar? You would just tokenize the gold itself, right? So correct. I have an ounce of gold, and I I tokenize it, and now I can I can send any fraction of that ounce of gold instantly to somebody else anywhere around the world. And now they own whatever fraction of that ounce of gold I just sent them. You know, you just have the gold sitting there in a depository and we all transact in the in, in tokens. That's how it used to work. That, that, the, the, first, the first currency was when somebody took their gold to a blacksmith and they left it there and the blacksmith gave them an IOU for that gold. And then whoever had that I.O.U. trade gave it to somebody else in exchange for some goods and services. That was the first transaction in currency. It was an I.O.U. of a blacksmith who was holding on to gold. That's how it all started.
3: Peter, I just want to circle back. I know you probably have limited time to the beginning of the conversation. I think we've spoken endlessly about all the problems with the government's policy, with the Fed, with inflation, but we haven't really resolved it. I mean, I think there's a lot of people who believe that in 2008, we should have let the banks collapse, obviously, dealt with the problem, then gone through the depression that would have come and we would have probably emerged stronger. But here we are in 2023 with the same problems that we had back then. And you could argue even larger with inflation out of control. What is the solution at this point to solve this?
1: Well, remember, there there is no like, easy fix right so the solution is to allow the free market to function again which means the fed has to get out of the way of uh, interest rates and just allow interest rates to go wherever the market wants to take them but at the same time the fed has to start continue to shrink its balance sheet by continuing to to um, uh, you know sell off treasuries and mortgage-backed securities i think at a faster pace then it's done and the Fed needs to make it clear that they're not gonna buy any more government bonds. They're, they're done with that. They're out of that business. The Fed is not going to, no matter what. And if a bank fails, uh, the Fed is not going to provide any liquidity to bail them out. That It's a free market in banking, right? So the banks have to survive based on their own credit quality, right? You know. The, the, it, it, all that has to me made known. Now, of course, when that happens, almost all the banks are going to fail. And so we have to be prepared for that. And we have to be prepared for a restructuring new owners to come in, you know, people are going to lose a lot of money. And the government's going to have to slash spending because there's not going to be any money, uh, you know, to pay Social Security and Medicare. And so the government's going to have to cut spending dramatically, including it's going to have to, uh, you know, cut, spending on social security and medicare not in the future the government's going to have to tell people who are getting social security right now you're going to get less than we were we promised now that's going to happen anyway because inflation is going to destroy the value of social security so you might as well be honest about it and maybe people will end up with with, with more by having a legitimate reduction in benefits um you know but look and the country is going to have to transform we're going to have to start building things again. We're going to have to start producing factories, and people are going to have to start, you know, uh, sweating. You know, coming home, you know, people are going to have to work in this country again. We can't all just be in the service sector. We're going to have to make stuff, because we're not going to be able to run trillion-dollar-a-year trade deficits. Um, you know, we, we, we won't be able to live off the backs of the, the Chinese or whoever else. We have, you know, th- th- This transition has to happen. Just We have to let the free market come in and you know, interest rates is going to go up. Government spending is going to come down. Consumption is going to go down. Americans are not going to be buying stuff that they can't afford anymore. Right. If you want to buy something and you don't have the money, you have to save your money until you can afford it. It's not about, well, I don't have the money. I'll just use my credit card. That, that's got to stop. Right. I mean, you know, we can't keep living like that. And the only reason we are is because the government is 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 financing it and backstopping it and making it all possible. But once the government gets out of the way and lets the markets know that that's it, you know, and let the market know if the stock market crashes, there's no there's no Fed put. The Fed is not going to do anything. If the economy goes into recession, the Fed's not going to do anything. The Fed's not going to try to artificially stimulate the economy. The Fed is just going to keep the money supply stable.
0: But Peter, my like concern, it. my concern goes back to a point you made earlier. Probably, the, 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 for me, the, the the highlight of the show is when you said that the, the the problem that we have is due to democracy, due to the incentives alignment that we have, and that won't change. So everything you've said will likely, most of it will likely not happen. So my question is, you know, I was speaking to one of the regular panelists on the show, and he told me a few days ago, uh, almost a week ago now. He goes, Mario, like I. I'm genuinely getting a a sense of pre-Lehman right now, talking to all the other investors, talking to companies, and I'm just surprised equities are where they are today and the sentiment is where it is, because behind the scenes, things look really scary. So my question to you is, comparisons to 2008, what is the best case scenario over the next 12 to 24 months and the worst case scenario? And and probably the last question that I have uh, for you, Peter.
1: Well, the best case scenario is that the crash starts now. The worst case scenario is that we kick the can down the road for another year and it starts later. I mean, the sooner it starts, the better, because the longer it takes to start, the worse it's going to be. Now, it's already going to be really, really bad. Uh, but, you know, I, I'd just rather rip the Band-Aid off now. I mean, but, you know, they're, they're going to try to delay that as long as they can. Uh, but when the crisis happens, it's going to be so much worse. And The worst part about it of course is they're going to blame capitalism that's what they always do so this is going to be horrific what's about to happen is going to impoverish so many people people's lives are going to get ruined and what is the government going to do they're going to say you see look how bad capitalism is this is what capitalism this is what the free markets did we need more government we need the government to take more control over the economy. We we have to nationalize the banks. We have to nationalize uh, all these industries. And basically, it's just going to it's going to you know make it worse. And it's going to make sure that we never recover, that our living standards never bounce back, that they continue to deteriorate because we're going to surrender more power. And of course, all of our individual liberties, whatever we have left, will have to be uh, surrendered because the government's going to like say, look, this is what people did. We need government control. Government has to be in charge of everything because this is what happens. When you don't have enough regulation, we don't have enough government. You you end it ends up like this, you know, and and that's been the mindset because they did the same thing after 2008. They blamed it on capitalism. They blamed it on greedy bankers or whoever it was. And they didn't accept any responsibility of the Fed uh, or government or their, their, their regulations or subsidies or things that they. That they incentivized and 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 uh, prevented the market from working. So that is the that is the worst part, and that's what I'm out here, you know, trying to get as many people to understand the source of these problems. It's going to get a lot worse, not because of capitalism, but because of socialism, because of government. Capitalism is the cure; government is the disease. And we've got to, we we if you if we want to be healthy, we got to excise the disease. We got to get rid of all this government. Uh, and allow capitalism to work.
0: Um, Peter, um, I think that this, this is a great discussion, Scott. I'm not sure if you have any further questions, but um, you know, I would love to have you again. The last question I have for you, and maybe a small uh, um, a request, is. I'm in a sauna right now. You're in your hyperbaric chamber. I'm gonna go into the chamber after the sauna. Uh, I changed my <laughs> mind. I thought I was gonna to skip today for the first time, but message me. Um, I'm not sure if we have your number. My team has your number or your PA's number. But if we don't have your number, hit me up on on Telegram on um, on Twitter. Send me a DM. Would love to share, um, you know, the bio hacks that I do and the ones you do, especially yeah. the chamber now, that I'm you a- mentioned, because the one you have is different to mine.
1: Yeah, I'm in oxy life right now. I'm in this multi chamber, but I'm I'm out. I've been here an hour and 48 minutes. So in two more minutes, it's basically I'm running a protocol, which is the healthy aging protocol. And so after an hour and 50 minutes, uh, I'll take the oxygen out of my nose, and it'll start de- decompressing. Put,
0: and, I put uh, the oxygen. I put the oxygen. Yeah, it'll start decompressing, and your, your your ears will start to to, to unblock or start to pop. And um, but also, Can you, you put guys your- put it?
3: Can you? Go ahead. I was going to ask if you could put a golf simulator inside the hyperbaric yeah. chamber. Well, uh, if, I don't know if, if it was big enough. You could do
1: that. You could play golf in here. I mean, people ride stationary yeah. bikes in these things. I just, you know, I, I, I don't I don't want to do that. I just come in here and do my work. Like, I, I, I want to use this time for work because I normally do my work at my desk uh, or sitting you know, or at a chair. And so, I do that when I'm in here. I want to be physically active when I'm, I want to be outside. I don't want to do my exercise in here. Uh, I
3: But I just do work in here. Peter, it's scientifically proven that if you buy Bitcoin, you uh, live... Thirteen uh,
0: Peter, years. Peter, on, on, on that point, look, uh, on a serious note, though, you'd be surprised on how fast the space ev- is evolving. Like A lot of money is flowing into it from a business perspective, but on a personal level, there's a gentleman called Brian Johnson. He popped up out of nowhere over the last few months. And his metrics, the way he's slowed his aging to such a level that it's Surprisingly optimistic and moving a lot faster than I thought. Now I, I don't know Brian Johnson well. I know David Sinclair, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know, uh, Ben Greenfield, and, and and that group. Um, but um, it, you'd be surprised. And there's a lot of things being developed, and yeah. he's testing a lot of stuff. Sorry. But it's uh, it's fascinating.
1: I mean, I just turned sixty, so I'm doing it now. I started, you know, but uh, I know that this is supposed to lengthen the telomeres uh, on your cells. Exactly. Yep. And I'm doing the same thing with my intermittent fasting. That you know, I mean, I do that
0: as well. I'm still, I'm still fasting. I still have 15 minutes left before I finish my 18 hours.
1: I haven't had any food today, other than this tea that I'm sipping since dinner last night, which was around 6:30, 7 o'clock. That was the last food I ate. But yeah, I used to be a guy. I used to eat a lot of food at night because I used to like to watch a movie and snack. I don't do any of that anymore. I eat my dinner, and then if I'm up at night, you know, watching a movie, I'll just drink water or tea. I don't, I don't nibble on anything. I just. And I'm totally at this point, I've even lost the craving. I mean, my wife will sit next to me show me eating crap. And I, you know, it's fine. And I just, you know, I don't eat anything until until I have a late breakfast around 11, 1130, uh, you know, I, and then I eat breakfast and then I have, a, you know, I just I, I still eat three meals between like breakfast and dinner. But. You know, the lunch is usually just like a salad or something. And then I have a regular dinner. But
0: if you, Peter, if you want to take it, if you want to go to the extreme, uh, I'll send you through some stuff that are more recent. um, And, um, you know, I think you'd be pretty fascinated. But also some of the results that um, one group of people, they're following something called the blueprint. uh, I'm starting to follow it now. um, the, the, The results they're getting. Um, but it's fascinating in, in, in a very optimistic way for, uh, you know, delaying aging and getting very, very close to reversing aging um, a lot faster than we expected. So, uh, you know, yeah, much respect I, that you're doing I, it.
1: I think cells, I mean, look, my cells should be getting healthier and reproducing. I think the cryo, I mean, I, I think that's helping and the red light, all this stuff, you know, combined, uh, you know, is going to, you know, I mean, why, why do we age the way we do? Why do our cells start breaking down? I mean, all we have to do is keep them healthy. And there's no reason that we can't we can't live longer. But
0: yeah, we'll we'll chat about it offline. I'm um, geek out over this <laughs> for right. hours, Peter. It's a pleasure to chat to you. Thank you. All right. See you, Peter. Um, all right, guys. I think it was, a, it, was a, it was a pretty cool show. I like one-on-one chats like this where we dig deep. Uh, you're gonna go to what are you gonna do now, Scott? Go to sleep.
3: Uh, Rand thinks I'm joining him for Arthur hayes's pool party. He's but, not yeah, he's um, not listening now. Uh, his his I, avatar's I prefer, here, but he's not here. I, I prefer sleep to uh standing by a party with ninety nine percent dudes talking about their web three projects at uh, eleven thirty at night in Singapore.
0: Yeah, I, I prefer I prefer um doing anything than sitting there listening to people talk about their projects. So Dude, Brian Johnson's probably- on a whole other
3: level though, man. You know, Peter's gone, so maybe now I can talk about the fact that Brian Johnson tracks his nighttime erections and is doing penis rejuvenation, and that's what you're obsessed with his penis. You need to get
0: over his penis. Everyone in the audience... No, I don't understand.
3: You 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 idolize a guy who's spending two million dollars a year to look like he's made out of plastic. I don't understand, bro. I I
0: I idolize anyone that understands that aging is the biggest problem that we've all faced right now. Period. What's the science behind tequila shots? Seriously, what's the Um, science? Uh, a very good. I think if you take five a day in the morning, um, it generally uh, reverses aging by 20. I'm joking everyone, way some people might take I prefer to wake up at 3 o'clock of in
3: the morning, you know, like mid-sleep for a couple of shots.
0: Before, before, like. before, people, before people jump off, just make sure that red logo on stage. There's only four of us on stage, three dudes and a red logo. Follow the red logo because we'll be hosting shows from there. It's Giving Love Heart try right now. Make sure you follow that. If you want to come on the show, uh, we're going to start accepting sponsors again, I think, in the next couple of days when Ran and Scott are back from uh, um, their little holiday in Singapore. Um, but if you want to come on the show, make sure you hit us up, DM any of the three of us, or you can email us and then pin the tweet. Um, otherwise, we'll see you again tomorrow same time. Really appreciate it. And Scott, get some sleep. Uh, Ran, he's not here. So, uh, um, yeah, all good, guys. Bye.